You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. devotion to the Lord of the husband and the wife. They are devoted to the Lord together, but if you notice, they are devoted to the Lord singly. And I think this is what makes a good marriage. I think this is what makes a wonderful marriage when each, the man and the woman, the husband and the wife, have their own spiritual relationship with God. And they're built up in God and led by the Spirit. And then together, they also have a spiritual relationship with God as a couple, because the two become one. But I think it's very, very important we see that. Many of us would be quick to agree that placing the Lord at the center of our marriage is crucial. On the other hand, it's just as important that we develop our personal relationship as well. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the commitment to the Lord that the parents of Samson shared personally and as one. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges chapter 13 as he continues his message, A Man of Contrasts. You are got a little tiny dog that I absolutely love. I absolutely love her, but she has two years of a rebellious attitude and something else training. So when I want to train her some way, we have a battle. And it's a regular knockdown drag out fight, I might add. Wow. I couldn't believe such a little animal could be so obstinate. And so stubborn. And I think I overheard her talking to a rabbit. I can't believe that such an old man can be so opposite and stubborn. We've got a battle going on. My goodness. And sometimes she wins the battle. Ha ha. Well, see, that's what happens in our body. The flesh, the old man, and the spirit, the new man. They're fighting. They're at enmity one another. Why else would Paul say, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do all the time. But Paul's answer is still the same. Jesus Christ. Who can save me from this wretched body? Jesus Christ. When we focus on him, which was the answer, when we focus on Christ, when we focus and believe the finished work of the cross, the new man takes over. The new man soars. We're walking in the spirit. But the battle rages. And this is what's happening in Samson. We're going to see that as the battle rages in his heart. So again, verse 1, again, the children of Israel did evil in sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. Verses 2 to 5. Now, there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Indeed, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Now, therefore, please be careful not to drink wine 
or similar drink, and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So they received this great, wonderful promise from God. We're told that Manoah was from the tribe of Dan. He lived in a town called Zorah. His wife was barren. She bore no children. If you've studied scripture, if you've studied the times that we're talking about, this was a disgrace. This was thought of as there's something wrong. This was thought of as you were a sinner because God was punishing you because you didn't have any children. What's interesting here is God wants to do something really special. He wants to do something really great, so he sends his best. He sends an angel of the Lord. And this is his best. And from now on, every time you see this thing, as we saw before in the book of Judges, this angel of the Lord is none other than Jesus Christ. It is a pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ, way before Bethlehem. Way before Bethlehem. Just like when the visitors came and told Abraham he was going to have a son in his old age, the one talking Abraham called Lord. It was Jesus. And like Sarah, Hannah, even Elizabeth, Manoah's wife was unable to bear children. But the angel came and gave specific instructions about the child's upbringing. The angel of the Lord came and gave specific things. Let's look back at 4 and 5. Now therefore, please be careful not to drink wine or similar drink and not to eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Be careful what the boy eats. Be careful. He's going to be a Nazarite. And the word Nazarite simply means separated or consecrated. He's going to be separated from me. He's going to be consecrated from me. You can read all about it in chapter 6 of the book of Numbers. It talks about what a Nazarite vow is and what a Nazarite being. Usually the vow was for a limited period of time. Like when Paul in Acts met those who had a Nazarite vow, he kind of went along with them. And many assumed that he kind of took that vow because he shaved his head with the other guys and they were, and they were consecrated together. But here for Samson, it's lifelong. You're going to be a Nazarite. It's a lifelong vow. I find it very interesting, and I don't know why this stuck in my head, but in this day and age, I think it's really important that we look at this for a minute, and since I'm doing the talking, we'll look at it. It's nice to have the microphone. I love the fact that the Lord is concerned about what the mother eats and drinks before the child is born. And I've gleaned a lot from that. I certainly wish some of these young people having babies would watch out what they eat, what they drink, what they put in their body before these children are born. I don't mean to be on a soapbox, but if I have to, I will. These children are being born drunk. They're being born drug addicts. They're being born with STDs, QRSs, TUVs. They're being born with all sorts of these maladies. Why? Because the moms didn't take care of themselves during the pregnancy. They chose to continue to do all these. You know, a baby can be born addicted to cigarette smoke because mom keeps puffing on the cigarette. Wow. 
What's the answer? Jesus Christ. Yeah, they should stop. But Jesus is the answer. At a Bible study, Jesus is always the answer. Jesus is the answer. We can't change social mores without Christ. If you watch and read the Gospels, especially in the book of Acts, every place Paul went, the social mores changed because the Gospel changes lives. The Gospel changes lives. We see that God made a claim for this child. It was now up to the mother and the father to train him up for the work that God had prepared for him. Great story about Pastor Chuck Smith, who passed away several years ago, who basically started the Jesus movement, which turned into Calvary Chapel, how his sister was dying. His sister was dying, and she took, and the mother took the sister to a church, and she prayed over him, and she said, if you allow my daughter to live, I will dedicate my boy to the ministry. And the daughter came back to health, and actually she pushed Chuck into the ministry. Chuck thought he was going to be a doctor. He always wanted to be a doctor, but to honor his mother for the vow she made, he went into the ministry. Same thing's happening here. You're going to train this child up. Don't eat certain things. Don't drink certain things because the child is going to be special. He's going to be special. And then when we look, we're going to read the rest of the chapter now, and we'll pick it apart a little bit as we go. Beginning in verse 6. So the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his countenance was like the countenance of the angel of God. Very awesome, but I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. And he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now drink no wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O my Lord, Please let the man of God whom you sent come to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came to the woman again as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her her husband, was not with her. Then the woman ran in haste and told her husband and said, Look, the man who came to me the other day has now appeared to me. So Manoah rose and followed his wife. When he came to the man, said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Oh, there's a clue right there. Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will the boy's rule of life and his work? So the angel Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor may she drink wine, similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please, Let us detain you, and we will prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you offer a burnt offering, you must offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, What is your name? And when your words come to pass, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat, with the grain offering and offered it upon the rock to the Lord. And he did a wondrous thing while Manoah and his wife looked on. It happened as the flame went up toward heaven from the altar. The angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell to their faces to the ground. When the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife, then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, 
will surely die because we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had desired to kill us, he would not have accepted the burnt offering and grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all things, nor would he have told us such things as these things time. Cool. I love this. Manoah wants confirmation of his wife's story. He wants to talk to the visitor. He wants to talk to this man of God. I love the devotion to the Lord of the husband and the wife. They are devoted to the Lord together, but if you notice, they are devoted to the Lord singly. And I think this is what makes a good marriage. I think this is what makes a wonderful marriage when each, the man and the woman, the husband and the wife, have their own spiritual relationship with God. And they're built up in God and led by the Spirit. And then together they also have a spiritual relationship with God as a couple. Because the two become one. But I think it's very, very important we see that. Remember the time in which they lived. It was a time of great apostasy. It was a time of basically anarchy. But these two were still seeking God and they were dedicated to the Lord. What did Manoah pray for? He prayed that he would see the Lord again. Or he prayed that he would see this man again. What did that tell you? They believed that prayer worked. They believed that prayer was the answer. They believed that they could communicate with God through prayer. They believed that God not only answers them, but he works through them. The man comes back and he repeats everything again. He repeats the same thing, telling them. So my question is, how many times does God have to tell us? How many times does God have to say his word? You read his word over and over and over and you read the things. How many times does he have to tell it? I guess until we hear it. I don't know. He who has ears, let him hear. Always reminds me of my mother. How many times do I have to tell you? God tells us these things in his word. When he repeats it once, we listen. But when he repeats it two and three times, we really need to take heed. They offer him a young goat. They want to sacrifice. They want him to eat with them. He says, no, I won't eat your food, but you can sacrifice. You can sacrifice it. He suggests a burnt offering and a grain offering. They really did owe God a thanks of worship because of what God had promised them. This promise really should be dealt with accordingly. When the Lord answers our prayers, he's deserving of our thanksgiving. He is deserving of our worship and our, our, our thanks, our praise. Overcome with excitement, Manoah wants to know the man's name. Why? Well, he wants to know who he's talking to. It's the same question asked by Jacob in, in Genesis 20, 32, 29, when Jesse was wrestling with the man. What's your name? The only thing that was said is wonderful. Well, you know the scripture, Isaiah 9, verse 6. Talking about the Messiah and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. I love it. It's pretty cool because back at this time, they had to go sacrifice in Shiloh. But here, the Lord allows them to sacrifice right where they are. They sacrifice right here on a rock, and poof, he's gone. He's gone. And then they know it's the Lord. Again, it reminds me of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they invited Jesus to have food with them. Come eat with us. Come eat. After Jesus gave them that long Bible study. Eat with us. Come on. They sat down. They got everything ready. And he broke bread. And he was gone. And they realized who it was. 
They realized who it was. And of course, I love what they said. Did not our hearts burn? I love that. Did the Lord ever burn in your heart? You ever hear something of the Lord that just burns in your heart? I love that. They offer this sacrifice. A flame comes up and they're gone. And right then they both know, oh man, and they fall on their face. This is worship. This is true worship. (laughs) Naturally, the man, oh, we're going to die. We saw the God and we're going to die. And of course, the woman, "Ah, we're not going to die. What's wrong with you? We're not going to die. Why would he give us a promise if we were going to die? The whole, you know, thing. I love it. I love it. Oh, how we need our wives to guide us and direct us. How we need our wives to keep us on that focus there. We're not going to die. What's wrong with you? Think of it common sense. Come on. Even I know that. They thought they were going to die because they recognized it was God. If, if you saw God's face, then you died. Well, it was Christ. It was the angel of the Lord. It was Christ in human form. No one has ever seen the Father except the Son revealed him to us. Jesus clearly said to the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Great story. Verses 24 and 25. So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Manea, Dan, between Zorah and Eshkola. The baby born to Manoah and his wife brought tremendous responsibility. The family name had to be honored. In contrast, he brings shame and dishonor to the family's household. To the point where the relatives had to go in and pull his body out of the wreckage of the temple for burial. It was a day of victory for God when Samson died, but it was a day of defeat for the family. In order for our influence to be upon our kids and our grandkids, we must maintain our own personal walk with God. Because that's what they'll see. That's what the grandkids will see. You can throw all the scripture you want at them. And I'm not saying scripture's bad. You know me better than that. But you can hit them with scripture after scripture after scripture. But if they don't see it real in your life, forget it. Samson grew up. His mom, his dad, they took responsibility. Train up a child the way he should go. They took responsibility. They helped him. He grew into this man. A baby's born. The Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. The hand of God was was upon him in a very special way. We find that the secret of his strength was his Nazarite vow. was symbolized by his long, uncut hair. But don't ever believe that the source of his strength was anything but the Holy Spirit. Yes, his strength was symbolized by his hair. But his strength truly came from God through the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know what you're thinking about when you think of Samson. You may be thinking of Victor Mature when he played Samson in the 1950s movie. You may be thinking of some stout guy walking around with abs and pecs and... 
I think he was a 95-pound weakling myself. Doesn't say anything about his physique here. Never says anything about his physique. And I want to key on this. You don't have to be super Superman to have the Holy Spirit use you and do mighty things through your life. In fact, God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. We don't know what Samson looked like. We know that he was strong and he's been called the strongest man in the world. Well, it's only because the Holy Spirit was his strength. They know nothing about his physique. Nothing says that. Maybe in verse 24, the children grew and the Lord blessed them that he began to to demonstrate his ability and his strength. And we see throughout the whole thing that he does many, many great acts. He does many, many feats of strength. He does many, many things that we'll look at and we'll talk about. But we're going to stop here. Did Samson take his ability and the gifts from the Lord seriously? Instead of a weapon that you fight with and a tool that you build with, Samson used his strength as a toy to play with. He played with his strength. Some people believe that the problem was that Samson was a loner. Except for women, of course. Unlike the rest of judges, if you go back and look at the rest of the judges, they were all surrounded by troops. They were all surrounded by other people that had help in what they did. We don't see that in Samson. The great preacher Joseph Parker called Samson an elephant in strength, but a babe in weakness. Many believe that Samson, when it came to leadership, was nothing but a lost sheep of God. Man of contrasts. A man of contrast. But you're going to see in the end, God still used him. God used him mightily. When God's call is upon your life, it is very, very difficult to shake. When God places his call upon you, you may not want it. But if God wants you to do something, he will empower you and give you the strength to accomplish those things he's called you to do. We're going to see that in Samson, a man of contrasts, a great man. He's in the Bible, four four chapters in this book dedicated to Samson. We can learn so much from him. I've learned so much just by reading chapter 13 and looking at chapter 13. Now, as we move on, we're going to see his ups and his downs. We're going to see his high points and his low points. We're going to see his weakness for women come raging out. We're going to see his failings, his failures. All because I'm going to see how God used him mightily in the end. And how God does exactly what he wanted to do. He delivers Israel from the Philistines. As our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of Judges and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. 
Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to pray for you as you journey through this life with Jesus. So please let us know how we can do that. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope. But we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of a body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Beginning April 12th, we are moving to two services on Sundays, one at 8.30 a.m. and another at 10.30 a.m. Come join us for worship and Bible study, and we do have childcare available. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That's assurehoperadio.com. And that brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to this verse-by-verse study in Judges. And join us again right here on Assure Hope.